everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Those Damn Sports. My name is Benjamin Rubino. Ryan Harlan. And I'm Andres de los Santos. And we're your hosts of the show. So today, uh, we have a pretty fun show planned out. Uh, we're going to be diving into the men's basketball schedule and women's basketball schedule, going into how each team was able to fare last year, what uh, we can expect from them this year. And to end the show, we'll be going into this Saturday's football matchup, Oregon State versus Utah. But first, and I want to send this down the line, today's the opening night of NBA. Oh, that's right. It that's is. right. That's right. I wanted to ask you guys, and I'll start with my answer first. Who are your top three NBA players in the NBA right now? Oh, and for me, <laughs> there's only one correct answer. Number one, Kevin Durant. Stop. Number two, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Okay. And number three, Damian Lillard. <laughs> That's cute, Ben. That's really cute. Um, <laughs> oh, it's gosh. Threw me for a loop there, Ben. We're going like top three, like best or favorite? It's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's your call. You okay, I'm going to go favorite because I can't really do best. Okay, so obviously, okay. So for number three, I'm going to go like, I'm going to go three, two, one. Three, uh, Luka Doncic, uh, like I'm alive, pretty, he has a personality. Two, uh, Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo. Obviously, when he won the championship, I was very happy for him. And then number one, uh, the bald headband wearing go Alex Caruso. <laughs> he's my favorite player. He's only actually he's the only NBA player's jerseys who who I own from when he was on Lakers. So yeah, those are my top three favorites, not best favorites. Top three, my first two, same as you, Ben. Uh, KD, then Giannis, and then the number three spot. I still have Braun at three. Bro, yeah, okay. yeah, the king, so, yeah, the king. I mean, just I'll just add one more question to any predictions for your team. My, my team's the Portland Trailblazers. We're winning the 2022 NBA championship. Damian Lillard's winning 2022 MVP. Let's see, Nurkic is winning Defensive Player of the Year, and CJ McCollum will be traded from the Blazers. <laughs> what? <laughs> pretty, pretty bold. Uh, uh, I'm just gonna say Lakers are winning uh, again. They, they did in 2020. Uh, they, they people say it doesn't count, but I think it does. And uh, yeah, they're gonna do it again this year for sure. I think the Lakers got a shot in winning the title. Uh, for all the accolades, I don't know. We'll have to see how the season plays out. For me, it's still a little too early to tell, but I think I think it'll be a very interesting season nonetheless. As do I. As do I. All right. Well, let's let's quit beating. The corner and get right into it. Beating here. the what, Ben? Was it beating the bush? You said That's, corn. I said corner, <laughs> but I did mess that up. Um, <laughs> let's go right into the men's basketball team. So last year, the polls came out preseason. Oregon State was projected to finish 12th in the Pac 12. Um, as I'm sure everyone knows, Oregon State won the Pac-12 that year, sure went on to make it to the Elite Eight in the March Madness tournament. Uh, there was a lot going on with that team, and through the COVID year, there was a lot of uncertainty through all winter sports teams. All winter sports. Oh, so yeah, yeah. what I wanted to ask you guys is, what did you see with last year's team? Um, let's just start with chemistry-wise. Could you see anything visibly from the team? Uh... I knew that this team was going to have at least some issues considering Trace Tinkle was graduated, got Kyla Kelly graduated. Um, but I didn't think it'd be too severe. So I guess, I guess to answer your question, Ben, I'll break down the schedule from yeah. last year, at least the beginning part of it. Okay. So uh, Oregon State, they defeat 
the Cal Golden Bears, 71-63. Then they defeat Northwest University, 114-42, which is huge, mm-hmm. right? And then they go on to lose three straight. They drop to Washington State, lose 55-59, lose to Wyoming, 73-76, and then lose to Portland, University of Portland Pirates, 86-87 uh, in overtime. So uh, it definitely was just concerning on the fact that these are very beatable teams, yet yeah. the fact that they're losing was very concerning. I will say, though, that in terms of chemistry, I will say it grew. I don't know what happened in that Pac-12 championship and the the, the NCAA championship, but chemistry was on fire. Those That team looked like... That team looked amazing. They were like the chemistry I mean, was right there. Like they were brothers in arms. It was it was a really good like team chemistry for sure. That, that, that's that's kind of like how I assess it. Just start off rocky. Middle season kind of got better, and then obviously like when the season ended, it was like at its peak. No chemistry. doubt, winning nine out of their ten last games to bring them into the late lead eight run. It's definitely dominant. Ryan, for sure. Do you have any thoughts about last year's team? The, like Andre said, the team was very rocky. I had very low expectations for the team kind of going into the season with some major departures uh, prior to the season starting, but I started to notice around around the end of the season towards the start of the Pac-12 tournament, that this team started to gel and kind of found their groove. And it really, really showed, especially in the tournament, and showed that this team was able to compete with some of the best teams in the Pac-12. Yeah. And ultimately, I think that win in the tournament propelled them through the Elite Eight. Yeah. Through the Elite Eight in the tournament there. So, I mean, it, I say it goes back... Um, Two years, Trace Tinkle, he was he's Oregon State, still is Oregon State's all time leading scorer. That's he right. was the only main departure from that season entering into last season's uh, last season's start. And at that point, it was up to senior guard Ethan Thompson, senior guard Zach Reichel, and uh, people who were growing into more of their role. Jared Lucas, three point shooter, mm-hmm. Worth Alatiche was a nice surprise last year. Oh, he's yeah. a big part <laughs> of the team now. And we can't forget about our seven foot one center, Roman Silva, who's still going to be on our team this year. And I'll get into it a little later because we got another seven footer through the transfer. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that later. But um, the run the team made last year was it was magnificent. It was the Cinderella oh, yeah. run of all Cinderella runs, beating <laughs> teams we should not beat, uh, beating a team. Uh, who is it? Yeah, Tennessee with Cade Cunningham. Is uh, it Tennessee? Oh, no, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. My bad, my bad. Yeah. Beating the number one uh, pick in the NBA draft, Oklahoma State. I would like to point out for the draft, uh, they did not show any highlights of the Oregon State game. No, I, I saw that. that. Ryan. I wonder. I, <laughs> I saw that too. I thought it was. I, 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 I enjoyed that a lot. <laughs> I thought it was funny, but so Beavers winning the Pac-12 uh, championship last year, Worth Alatiche named the Pac-12 uh, tournament MVP. Mm-hmm. And now let's just, that kind of leads right into this year because the Beavers are, after our run last year, we're still not ranked nationally, but the Beavers have more respect. They're, oh, yeah, for sure. they're projected to finish fourth, uh, tied with Arizona in the Pac-12 this year. And I know uh, it's it's not going to end in a tie. It, nope. it physically can't, so no. the projection's no wrong in my opinion. But <laughs> uh, Worth Alatiche was named to the first team um, pre not preseason projected to be first team All Pac-12. Jared Lucas was projected um, second team All Pac-12, and these are our two leaders for the team this year. 
for the Beavers in specific, Warthal Atiche tested the waters thinking about going to the NBA draft last year, um, didn't get drafted, had the eligibility to come back to the Beavers and be a big part of the offense. And that's something I'm really looking forward to. Um, Andres. What's up? Warthal Atiche. One sec, I need to bring up his stats last year. <laughs> okay. Because he was one of the Pac-12's leading rebounders. He was a dynamic scorer, very tall, lengthy, active on defense, averaging 1.2 steals and 1.4 blocks in 27 and a half minutes per game. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Worth Alatiche? I might be a little bit biased because he wears a number 10 and the 10 is one of my favorite numbers. But uh, I like him as a player. He's just so, so dominant and just so physical and you mentioned this earlier, Ben. He was a steal in terms of just like recruiting and mm-hmm. transferring. You said it right. He's a steal. Uh, just you know, like six six eight um, two ten from Houston, Texas, a forward. The fact that he started in all thirty three game, thirty three games says a lot. It says like the trust that the coaching staff has in Warthol Tiche. And um, yeah, he was a Pac twelve tournament most outstanding player. And being the first Oregon State player to receive that award that that's that's huge. You know, just I think it says a lot. Just like in his character and just making sure that he's got everything down. But yeah, um, he averaged 9.5 points, 8.6 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 1.2 steals, and 1.4 blocks in mm-hmm. 27 and a half minutes per game. Uh, pretty good stats if you ask me. So Dominant if you ask I am me. all for Warthal Tiche, and quite frankly, I'm excited to see what he can bring to the playing field this year. Ryan, how about you? Dude is a beast, especially in that Loyola game mm-hmm. in the tournament. In- that was impressive. Notched his ninth double double, career double double. Dude's a beast. I'm excited to see what he does this year to build off of not only that dominant tournament run, but also this year being one of the focal points of the offense along with Jared Lucas. I mean, yeah, I'm excited. We're bringing back our senior fours, Worth Alatiche, Rodrigue Della, Maurice Kalu, who was a big. He was a big part of the team last year who came about midseason and ended the season strong. Yep. At first, it was a it was a struggle between him and Coach Tinkle. He wasn't giving enough on defense. He always knew offense was there for him, but it was the defensive side of the ball where he was becoming a liability. He worked on it, got to the point where he was valuable on both ends of the court and inevitably helped the Beavers get to the Elite Eight last year. And you can't forget about our two junior guards, Gianni Hunt and Jared Lucas. Johnny Hunt has the full responsibility of being the ball handler this year. Yep. No Ethan Thompson, so we can't rely on that. Um, shout out Chicago Bulls, drafting <laughs> Ethan Thompson, by Doubles. the way. Doubles. <laughs> um, I'm really excited about this team. And the I amount do. of attention that they got last season really helped um, the transfer portal this year, which was yeah. very active for but- the team. They got six... They got six new transfers and one true freshman. And six of the transfers all played Division I basketball. So we're bringing in a lot of experience and a lot of freshness to the team. But that could could challenge the chemistry. That's what I worry about. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I guess I I was going to ask you this earlier, Ben. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about a little bit, before we talk about how the chemistry, can we talk about, like, how much Jared Lucas has stepped up in the last three years? Yeah. I mean... Uh, my freshman year, seeing Jay Lucas, uh, I, was, I don't think it was his best season. Obviously, he's a freshman, so transitioning from high school to yeah. college is obviously it's different, especially coming like straight out of high school. But 
the amount of growth that this man has had from the COVID, like the, the NCAA run, the COVID year to now is just, it, the future's looking bright for Jerry Lucas and this Oregon State um, basketball team. Just, he's doing a phenomenal job. Like his leadership stepped up phenomenally. And I think, I think he knows where it's like, like in a sense, this is his team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say, in a sense, this is his team. And he knows like people look up to him and it's like, he has to make sure like he's doing everything right. Whether it be, you know, homework, uh, what was I say? Homework on the court, practice. You know, making sure like making smart choices in life. I think, I think he's been a phenomenal role model for this Oregon State basketball team. And quite frankly, I'm most excited for him. And actually, I think I guess side note about Jared Lucas. Uh, I asked him this, uh, someone recently, probably like last year in a class. Mm-hmm. I asked him, I was like, "Why do you wear the number two? And then he said, "Oh, I wear the number two because I'm the underdog." And he's the like, underdog. He's the underdog. Yeah, he sees himself as the underdog. And I was like, "Huh, you know." Not thought about that. I mean, following a 13 points per game season, shooting 38% from the field, and that's including 38.9% from the three-point range. He adds not only the asset of spacing out the floor, but being a consistent shooter that Oregon State can rely on. Mm -hmm. That's big. Um, Which will definitely help with the loss of Ethan Thompson to the NBA. Yeah, and Zach Reichel. Yeah. Yeah, and Zach Reichel. Yeah. Zach Reichel was a hometown kid. I remember watching him play Westland High School. So it was actually really cool <laughs> to see him play last year and finish his career with Oregon State. Then you tell your inner old man. When I was, when I, back in my days, I saw Zach Reichel play in high school. <laughs> back in my day, back 2016. My day. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Um, I, I want to like talk about one of, our, one of our transfers in specific. I wrote about... This man last year, his name's Troll Mariel. Troll Mariel? Stands seven feet two. Wait, what? Stands seven <laughs> feet two inches. Wait, 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 seven foot two inches? Yeah. Gosh. Jesus. He's taller than Silva. <laughs> Are you sure that's not Shaq? <laughs> Shaq Jr.? <laughs> no, but he's a long, he's a very tall, skinny, lengthy player. Where did he transfer from? Maryland. Maryland? Yeah. Okay. Um, He brings more size to the team he brings a bit of competition to Silva it brings a lot more that Oregon State can do with their defense I've seen it in the NBA where you put two seven footers in a defense and it it kind of stops teams from being able to drive towards the rim get easy buckets and makes them have to force them to shoot Mm -hmm. so if Oregon State chooses to use that lineup at all through this season I'm going to be very intrigued to see how it plays out um, defensively because you know Oregon State, we, I, I would say we're a little bit more offensive minded. We're uh, yes, we're flashy, a little bit. But yeah. let's let's end talking about Oregon State's basketball team this year. I want to look now into we've gone through the roster, gone through who we've got. It's time to think about what are some of the expectations from this year. Ooh. we are predicted to finish fourth, okay. as I said in the Pac-12. But are there connotations? Is there the chance Oregon State can be ranked nationally? We made it to the Elite Eight in the tournament. All you need to do is keep winning. I mean, yeah, why not? Uh, Jeez. Uh, uh, now we're prepared for this question. Uh, yeah, I think there's a good chance that the viewers get ranked nationally. Uh, obviously... I will say that a lot of just like not believing in the Beavers before, but they're used to that. Quite frankly, look at last year. Oh yeah, and yeah. It got to the point where even the Beaver store made shirts that said "Not 12th. So I, I think, bought it. Uh, you have it. I bought it. I've been meaning to buy it. <laughs> it's a good shirt. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like I think it's like I, I don't think the Oregon State 
offense or bas- basketball team. And Wayne Tinkle himself, he's not too worried about getting like getting ranked right now. No, I think I think I think personally as a coach and like from a player perspective, I think they're excited that they're not ranked because that means they have more to prove. That means like like oh they just we're just picking up where they left off. You know, like this is easy for us. Like yeah. oh they didn't they didn't rank us. They're saying like, they didn't rank us. Like no problem. Just well, like you said, maybe Jared uses it as a is another motivation. underdog statement. Exactly. Yeah. Another reason to be number two. Exactly, yeah. But, I mean, I'd love to see Oregon State make a challenge for to be atop the Pac-12 um, for basketball, too. We're there, almost there for football, and we'll get into that a little uh. bit later. But <laughs> basketball has the chance to improve at Oregon State this year, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited to see that happen. Ryan, uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on just, like, what, do you, what are some expectations that you have for this team this year? I think anything less than a tournament run – will be considered a disappointment. Yeah. Especially knowing how far we got last year, mm-hmm. which... And not to add that, we only made the tournament last year because we made it through as the Pac-12 yeah. champions. Yeah. Like, based off our record, yeah. we yeah. It does close. sound a little bit harsh, but in reality, it's like, it's like we, we, we know what this team is capable of now. So yeah, we know what this team is capable not? of. And I think the fourth place finish... In the Pac-12, only adds more motivation for them, too. On top of the fact that they're not ranked nationally mm-hmm. as well, yep. I think that just gives them more motivation to go out there and prove everybody wrong, just like how they did that last year. And I'm really excited to see what this team does, and hopefully, we might even get some shirts that say "Not Fourth, Not, not Fourth." fourth. <laughs> I, I think Not Fourth, Not, not, not Tied for Fourth, Not, not Tied for I Fourth. Think not has a better ring to it. No, I'll, it I'll take a Not Fourth shirt. No, but it was it was a cool shirt. It was like it was the back of it, and it's I don't even know if it said Not. I think it said Number, like the N O dot, and a twelve, and that was X'd out. X'd out is the one. Or no, just the two was X'd out, mm-hmm. and then they added a little ST right next to <laughs> it. Well. It, was, it was one of the easiest smart decisions to buy a shirt. Store, I will say, God, definitely smart marketing. Should we kind of? The Beaver schedule is already released. Should we kind of like dissect oh, that a little bit? Yeah, lead me through the schedule. What are some games you are? What are some games you're looking forward to? Opening oh. night, Portland State. That's just yeah, November 9th against Portland State. That's the home opener. Uh, I'm excited for that. Um, we might be calling that game. Not sure yet. Yeah. We, I think we are calling that game. I'm excited for it. Pretty sure. I think we got it on the schedule, but nice. maybe we'll be so in the that's studio. That's November 9th, uh, 7:30 p.m. But I guess one game that I'm looking forward to the most. It's early in the season. It's November 12th at Iowa State. Mm. The only reason I say that is because I remember uh, that was one of the very first basketball games I went to here at Oregon State. Oh, fun. And Exactly, yeah. It was really fun. And then my favorite play, a play that I always remember for the rest of my life is um, Zach Riker was like on top of the on top of the paint, like kind of like at the key, bounce pass to Kyler Kelly. Kyler Kelly dunks it in. Iowa State calls timeout, and like Kyler Kelly just like flexed and screamed in front of everybody, and I was like, this is Beaver basketball. This is pretty dope. <laughs> I miss Kyler Kelly. He was the, he was the OG. I mean, oh, I guess yeah. I only came here a freshman. He was my freshman year. <laughs> he was my freshman year seven-footer. That was always there for everything that you needed. I guess uh, in terms of another game I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm excited for both, um, both games against UCLA. So... Oregon State first takes on UCLA at UCLA on January 15th at 7.30 p.m. That's in Los Angeles. And then the Bruins come visit um, Corvallis February 26th on Saturday, 1 p.m. I'm going to predict right now that that game is going to be the most packed besides the rivalry series. I think yeah. that game is going to be the most packed because it's an elite eight Pac-12 school mm-hmm. versus a Final Four Pac-12 school. These two programs were at the top of the top last year in the country. Yeah. I think... That game's gonna be 
sold out. Not to mention UCLA is bringing back Johnny um, Juzang. Johnny Juzang, yeah. not even, mm-hmm. even Pac-12 recognition. He gets national recognition yeah. in the March Madness tournament for being one of the best players in the country. Yeah, he is a tough ball player. So I think that game. I think that game on top of the rivalry series will be sold out. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna predict it right now. I'm looking forward to Boulder versus Boulder. I, I like having Boulder come to play here last you year. Colorado? Yeah, Colorado Boulder. Okay. Just say Colorado. <laughs> well, no one calls it Boulder, Ben. I call it Boulder. My best friend goes to Boulder. But are you your best friend? No. <laughs> <laughs> we just went off topic there. Continue, Ben. <laughs> well, I like Colorado. There we go. Because, uh, well, they're just tough for the Beavers. Last year they had, shoot, what's his name? He might have gotten drafted by a team, but he was their point guard. Oh, I think uh, uh, he might have been drafted. I'm not sure you're talking about, but there was a player that got drafted by Colorado. Yeah, he's their point guard. I think it's number. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, okay, just his name me escapes one, me. Think. One, two. I don't know why I can't find his name, but he was tough. All it all it allowed me to do was be. I like seeing our guards work on defense and mm-hmm. offense, having to work to get their baskets. So seeing Ethan Thompson really have to work to have his pull up mid range shots, his drives to the rim. It's just great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan, how about you? Do you have a game you're looking forward to? All these games I'm excited for. I'd say the <laughs> the biggest one that I'm excited for is probably probably UCLA. I gotta say yeah, UCLA. I that's say, probably that, that's the one I'm one. most excited I think, about. I think we should comment that one, Ben. I think that's not on the list. I'm not I'm not too sure yet. We'll have to look back on it. But I but think that one that's when we have to broadcast. We do have to get sure. one of them on there for sure. And then for all, sure. time to dive in to uh, one our women's basketball team who mm-hmm. actually are nationally ranked in the country. They were uh, voted number fourteen in the 14. AP poll. They made it to they made it into the round of thirty two yes. uh, last year in the women's March Madness tournament, losing to South Carolina, I believe. Yes, you're correct. They bring back both of their dominant uh, players, both a forward and a guard. I need to bring up. <laughs> then do you know was it? Ellie, Ellie Mack and Talia von Olhoffen. Both of those girls. There we go. Yeah, number ten. No, number twenty. Number twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Yes. Respectively. Yes. Oregon State, their women team. They definitely um they put up some work in the Pac-12 and nationally. And what we can look forward to this year is seeing both um yeah both Talia and Ellie Mack coming back. Let's see. I'm trying to find. Which is crazy because Ellie Mack, she could have graduated last year, but she she chose to come back. Chose to come back. Yeah. Chose to come back. Also, we get Kennedy Brown back for the that first time true. since her freshman year, which I'm really excited to see her play. Due to injury? Or yeah, due to injury. So due it to was injury. against the. I remember this game because I was, I was covering it. <laughs> it was uh the Arizona State. Excuse me, Arizona State game. They came. Uh, they the the Sun Devils came to visit. Mm-hmm. Play, and then it was like second or third quarter, um, like it, it was like ACL sprain for Kennedy Brown. It was huge, and and like it was like a silence filling Gil Coliseum because they knew it was like oh like snap this happened, what just happened you know, so yeah. And then she hasn't been on the court since she's like been recovering. Like she's worn a legs like there's been pictures of her wearing like a leg sleeve and knee brace. So it was a very very serious tear, but. Luckily, this was a COVID year. Last year was a COVID year, so she didn't lose anything. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, I'm um, I'm not sure what a timetable for a return is, but I'm hoping it's soon. Yeah, it'd be great I'll, to see her back. Yeah, we're gonna see court. her back. It's gonna be like one of those like like when Cat Tudor returned and people were celebrating, were happy about it because like 
any any injury to an athlete is is devastating. You know, it's part yeah. of sports, unfortunately, but. Mm-hmm. Especially an ACL tear, that that's 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 vital because that that stops you from walking. So, <laughs> most definitely does. <laughs> Oregon State, the women's team finished twelve and eight last year. Um, I'm looking at their schedule for this year. All by the way, all scheduled games are going to be aired on Pac-12 networks. If you're looking to tune in, uh, the Pac-12 conference play opens December 31st. Uh, Colorado Boulder will come to Oregon State to play them. And it'll go up to – it's going to be a tough season, especially because they have to finish out the season playing against both Arizona Wildcats and the Arizona Sun Devils. Both Arizona teams are pretty dominant in the women's basketball world. Um, it would be great to see the women's team make it back to the tournament again. No, I think, I think, I think they have a good chance of doing that. No, they definitely do. Following the COVID year, I mean, everything's different during the COVID year slightly – you have to assume having fans in the arena would only help the players more as it does, as we've seen through the football season, all the seasons that have gone on with fans. All the players are saying that it brings them more energy and helps them play better. Mm-hmm. Um, who are some, I guess I'll ask the next question, who are some players that you guys are excited to see come back for the uh, women's team? I guess I'll go first. Um, I have a couple of different players in mind. Uh, Ellie Mack and Talia Von Olohoffen are two of my favorites to see return just because Levon Olhoffen, she was literally like a high school senior last year playing at the Pac-12 level. That's huge. And the fact that she did so good was really, really phenomenal as well. Uh, I will say, though, I'm excited for Taylor Jones to come back. I mm-hmm. really hope she's able to just pick back up where she left off. And then more importantly, not more importantly, but just equally, I would say, uh, we got a new transfer. Or I guess I got a new transfer. Hey Adams, uh, she transferred from San Diego State, I believe. Yes, San Diego State. And uh, oh no, UNLV. Excuse me. Wait, San Diego State. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm excited to see her uh, just pick up where she left off too. And then I think this seems to be very good this year. Gonna be a threat to the conference for sure. Definitely gonna be a threat. I could see them finishing top, top three or four in the conference. I'm trying to pull up the stats from last year so I can see. I wanted to see Ellie Mack's stats. While he does that, Ryan, uh, who are some players that you are looking forward to? Like I said, I'm excited to see Kennedy Brown come back since injury, which Mm -hmm. is always exciting to see an injured player come back. Oh, for sure. Also, uh, the the young talent that we have coming in this year with A.J. Moret, Greta Camp Schroeder as well, two freshmen coming in alongside Talia Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And that's exciting to see that young core continue to develop as the season goes on. And overall, this team is definitely top three in the Pac-12. Think so? Yeah. Oh. The, and I'm really excited to see what we do against Oregon, mm-hmm. which that's gonna be that's gonna be one of the games to watch yeah, for this year. Is. Speaking of that Oregon game, uh, can we talk about that for a little bit? Last Just year's? No, uh, last year's and this year's. Right. <laughs> uh, I'll start with this year's. Um, so. Obviously, scheduling a, a season for any sport is hard. It's difficult, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, who are we to say how to do it? But have you guys seen the schedule? Only slightly. Okay, let me just read the schedule for you. At least the Oregon games, right? They're very close to each other, literally. So, February 11th, Friday, 8 p.m. Uh, here, the Ducks play the Beavers, right? Quick turnaround because February 13th, Sunday, 1 p.m., they play them again. Two-day break. Two-day uh, break. Two-day break. Um... 
You have to think that can't be advantageous to either the players no, or the teams be. or anyone no, involved. No, no, that's not. <laughs> I mean, like I said, who are we to judge, you know, how to properly create a schedule? But then you would think that some more timing between the two games, especially because, like, it's the rivalry series. Yeah. You would think that there would be some at least more timing between the two games. I mean, it all just ends up, what well, say, well, to be broadcasted when and where. Yeah. But I do agree with you. I think it's unfair to not only Oregon State, but to Oregon yeah. as well. You can't – it's not right to schedule two games that close together. You rarely see, like, NBA teams doing Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just tough. I will say, though, like – 8 p.m. tip-off to a late game. That means the game's gonna be over like at 11. Yeah, which is not good for us sports writers. And me no. as editor, oh, you as a broadcaster, it's, <laughs> I mean, not, it's, it's not good for anyone. It's not good yeah. for anyone involved. No, but I guess Ryan, what are you, what are your thoughts on this? This yeah, short no, turnaround? it's not it's not advantageous for anybody. You rarely see something like this. Uh, more what we would call like a back-to-back in mm-hmm. uh, NBA sense. Especially in college. In college too. Of all of all places. I guess it's just it's just how scheduling works out for conference. I don't know. I'm not the maker I'm not the maker of the schedule. Could be just because we have fifty minutes in between Could be, us yeah. and Eugene. Maybe Short they just grass. thought it was it was easier, it was easier for both yeah. teams involved. It's a hop, but skip and a jump boy. <laughs> no, it certainly isn't. <laughs> when was the last time any of you guys were inside Gil Coliseum for a basketball game. Oh, okay. Oh, for, oh gosh, I gotta think. I know, I know, I know mine. Right, I, gotta I know mine. mine. Uh, it was a rivalry series game my freshman year, and this was with Sabrina Unescu and that whole Oregon team when they were still playing. And this was the same day that sadly Kobe Bryant passed away, and that atmosphere that day was. It's really hard to describe it mm-hmm. because that hung over the entire stadium there, yeah. the yeah. entire game. And nobody wanted to do anything with the rivalry. Everybody just was like sat there, just watch basketball. It was like the sense of like disbelief. No, I remember seeing videos of Sabrina crying pre-game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole country, everyone was really affected by it. I was for sure. Oh, I was yeah. for sure. I, and I, wear, I wear a Kobe bracelet. I mean, yeah, you're Kobe. from Los Angeles. He definitely means... Yeah, more to you well, than the yeah. average individual. The reason I got that Kobe bracelet was for him. I have a, for those of you like don't know, I have a, I wear a bracelet every day that says Mamba Forever and then Rip Kobe 1978 2020, number eight, number 24. Cause, yeah, because it meant a lot. Yeah. Um, To change topics on a lighter note, I went on a happier <laughs> day, I will say. Uh, The last time I was in Research Stadium, Research Stadium, wow, Gil Coliseum <laughs> for a, a basketball game, women's basketball game, was actually, it was, uh, it was uh, against Washington State when they defeated them. 73-58, which is pretty funny because then they'd go again and play them in the first round and do the exact same thing over again. <laughs> but uh, that was my first, uh, that was my last time watching the women basketball team in person, you know, back inside of Gill Coliseum. Definitely. I've been inside Gill Coliseum a couple of different times for wrestling and uh, gymnastics, but that's a different podcast episode. We'll get into that more later. <laughs> uh, for myself, I was able to get into the Coliseum last year a couple of times just to write about a couple of stories. So I was pretty lucky, I'd say. Oh. Um, when the last game was specifically, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I yeah, think because you didn't go to Las Vegas or Indianapolis. I did not so. go to Las Vegas <laughs> or anywhere. Um, my Parker went though, but I do have a funny uh memory from my freshman year, oh, which please. was the previous last time oh, where please share, please we had share. every all the fans. So it was um 
my freshman year, I show up with my buddy. We come to the game a little bit later, and all the seats were already filled up. So we're like, well, let's just go stand courtside and see how well this goes. Mm-hmm. And we're we're actually made a habit. We sat, like just stood there courtside in front of the front row of the bleachers, and no one seemed to mind. And it, it was when Peyton Pritchard was on the team. Oh, and. <laughs> um, uh, there was a little trash talking that was involved, but <laughs> Oregon State won that game. It was a very close game, and I stormed the court after the game. Got a very cool picture. Well, I didn't even take the picture, but it was a Beaver Athletics post, and I was in the background of it, really? just screaming my head off really? in so much excitement. Um, yeah, that was definitely my best time inside Gill Coliseum. Oh, you're famous now, Ben. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely thought it was back then. Back then, you know, I think. That could be enough basketball talk because we have we have a really big um, football game coming up on Saturday. Huge, huge, and I have a lot I want to talk about um, for this game. I want to. There's not much to say for Oregon State. We had a bye week this past Saturday, so there's no new updates. If you listened to the podcast last week, yeah, you'll know we talk, a lot we about, about that. Know a lot about Oregon State football. Yeah, but and, I, and I almost went off on Ryan because he bought a Patrick Mahomes. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to speak. Why, why don't you like Patrick Mahomes so much? Just, I'm honestly curious. It's okay. Uh, for those that don't know, I'm a, I'm a Niners fan. Okay, so I'm kind of stunned out over the Super Bowl loss. Then again, that being said, I love Patrick Mahomes. I don't love him, but I mean, I, I bear him. But not a bad quarterback. I just think that. Uh, oh, I don't want to. He's overrated, I think. A little. This is just showing my, this year. He's overrated a little bit. He's a good quarterback. I like him. His personality is pretty funny, but I just can't stand the man sometimes. But that's enough talking about the Chiefs. And Let's the, talk and about the Utah. How about Utah? Yeah, the Utah the Aggies. Utes, the Utes, not the Aggies. Aggies. <laughs> my bad, guys. What, the Utes. What, what team are you looking at? <laughs> I guess Texas A and M. So. Utah this year, they are 4-2 and two overall, 3-0 and oh in conference play, which are the games that really matter. Oh, 3-0? Oh? Yeah, they're 3-0 mm-hmm. in oh conference. I'll start from the beginning of the season. They opened up with a 40-17 to 17 victory over Weber State, a game they were favored. They had a tough loss, national television, 17-26 to 26 to BYU. That was, that was in BYU as well, in, in Utah. Uh, their next game, they lost 31 to 33 in triple overtime to San Diego State University, and then it was time for conference play. They opened up with a 24 to 13 win over Washington State, a team the Beavers weren't able to beat this past se- this season. They had a dominant win over USC in USC. I think it was a a stat similar to the Beavers, the Utah. Yeah, uh, you just was, haven't won inside the Memorial Coliseum. Yeah, it was their first win inside of the Memorial Coliseum. In a long time as well. They won 42-26, to 26, uh, domination there. The next game was at home versus Arizona State, a very good Pac-12 South team. Yeah. They beat them 35-21. to 21, And now next on Utah's schedule is coming to Corvallis to play Oregon State. Whew. So this Utah team, their past their past three wins are all impressive. I'd say their past two wins are noteworthy. Oh yeah, you defeat USC and Arizona State. That that's noteworthy. Wouldn't you agree, Ryan? Yeah, yeah. Especially winning in the Coliseum since I I don't know when. I think it's our first like, time ever. Forever. It was yeah. six, 60 years. They did it once before. Okay, six years. Still, nonetheless. Still impressive win, nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, so I agree with you, Ben, saying that like these wins are noteworthy. And it's definitely just like a whoa, what just happened in the conference, it, you know? It, it's a big whoa. Last podcast episode, I projected Arizona State to be the uh, winner of the Pac-12 South to go to the 
championship game and to see Utah beat them 35 to 21 and not just beat them, but control the game in almost every facet. Arizona State couldn't stop Utah's run game. They couldn't stop third downs. And speaking of third downs, it's something Oregon State struggles with slightly on the defensive end of the ball. We all make our chainsaw noises. The crowd goes crazy and we try, but <laughs> the defense normally lets the offense kind of walk over them on yeah, third downs. This is, uh, it happens one too many times. It happens yeah. way too, and it's what leads to losses. So looking at this Utah game for Oregon State, what are some of the key key aspects that you, Ryan, that you want to see from the team? Third they down. Can, they took a week off. They had all this time to rest. What did they work on? Third, I think working getting back to fundamentals and two knowing that they got to stop the utah offense and cam rising on third downs that is key and one of the big stats from that utah arizona game was utah converted seven of 11 third down opportunities mm-hmm. whoa really yeah and i don't know was that no it, it I was know, was that much it was every almost every time they got up there. They were able to, they were able to convert. Yeah. yeah, and that, and I think that was a point of emphasis, uh, especially since Rising was able to fit a lot of those, thir- lot of, the, lot of those balls in very tight windows on those third down opportunities that he had. I think that was a point of emphasis too. I think just getting back to what made us successful early on in the first half of the season before the bye week, and really, it's going to be. Really, that where this game is going to be won at is going to be on third down. That, yeah, that that's I where I think this you. game yeah. is going to come down to. This game is going to come down to the defense. I don't think we're going to be able to rely on our run game like we've had in past games. Unfortunately, it's a little scary. Well, I mean, right, to add to your point, when you think about it, we have to or Oregon State has to rely on the we run do. game yeah. because the past game clearly hasn't been that's two that better. Yeah, it's just. I think Chance Nolan, he looked a little bit better. Uh, I'm not sure his exact stats against mm. the uh, Washington State. And I can pull those up real quick. But uh, While you're doing that, um, Utah against USC. No, against Arizona State. They had three separate rushers score for a touchdown. And their tight end had two uh, reception touchdowns as well. I'm looking at that, and I'm getting a little scared that they have. Uh, I mean, similar to the Beavers, they have... They have assets. They got people on the team. Mm-hmm. They can do different things and step up when they need to. Yeah. But with their three running backs, they were, other than Tavion Thomas, he got 20 attempts. We saw Cameron Rising, who's their quarterback. He ran out of there six times. Yeah. And TJ Pledger, he got uh, seven rushes for 49 yards as well. Looking at Rising, he can throw it. He can run it. It's going to be a big challenge for... Our defense, I think specifically the cornerbacks to yeah. know when to stay with their receivers all the way or mm-hmm. to look for a run. So I found his stats. Uh, so well, last game against Washington State, Trance Nolan passing was he was 11 for 25, 158 yards, two interceptions, and got sacked one time. Uh, much better than his. Um, Washington game, uh, what was it? Seven, seven for like eighteen. Yeah, it was like 45 48, yards, forty-eight yards. Much better than that, but two interceptions. Uh, and granted, one of those interceptions was uh, Zariah Beeson tried to catch it. It was a, it was a tip, yeah. like off his fingertips, tip drill. Defense came down with it. But look at the run game. Uh, BJ Baylor, eighteen attempts, one hundred forty-six yards, um, no touchdowns. Deshaun Fenwick, fifteen carries, one hundred twenty-eight yards, two touchdowns. 
long of 24 yards. That run game is just something that Oregon State's going to have to rely on. And just, I'm reading it right now, uh, B.J. Baylor and Deshaun Fremick, they both hit the century mark in rushing yards versus Washington State. They became the first pair of OSU teammates to do so, do so since Artavis Pierce and Jamar Jefferson back in 2019 at Arizona. Um, as mentioned earlier, Baylor had 145, Fenwick had 127, and uh, it's only the 19th time in team history where two or more Beavers ran for 100 or more yards in the same game. Mm-hmm. So I think if that doesn't say the run game is important, I don't know what does, but <laughs> I think we need to focus on the run game, and I think defense needs to step up, and they have. They, they've stepped up in moments. Um, they do. They get the turnovers when we need them. But Exactly, yeah. It says right here, um, Oregon State has 10 interceptions this season, the most since the 2014 Beavers had 11. And um, mm-hmm. those 10 interceptions, they uh, they tie for the Pac-12 lead. And it's interesting because linebackers account for five of those interceptions. Uh, that equals the team's overall total in seven games this season. So 10 interceptions, five of those come to linebackers. That's middle coverage, middle zone coverage. Uh, it says a lot about the defense, just um, just – Stepping up when they need to, and they get those turnovers when they need to. And uh, Rajon Wright, I could think of really good at getting turnovers. Omar Spade, Xavier Roberts. So this defense really, I'm not too worried about them because I know like they they have a decent bag of tricks. So we I'm got not decent. Bag, we have good individuals, I believe. We yes. got our individuals that get the recognition with Pac-12 honors stuff like that. But I do want to see the team um, work together. I, we got star players on both ends of the field, yes. but yeah, to work together to most importantly, just stop on third down. We need yeah. three and outs against oh, yeah. Utah. That's yeah. one of the biggest aspects to this team. And no fake punts. No, uh, <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, I don't want to see much trickery this game. No, no. I, mean, I mean, a couple like a fake, fake in the round of like the Jack Coletto, like that, fake. That, was, yeah. that was nice, but that was nice. Luke Lutcher had a nice throw, but yeah, it just that, that didn't get it done, especially because at the 50 yard line, like, mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, I respect the I respect the attempt for trying, but nothing that, against the Glocher, but I don't think that that play just didn't need to happen. At think, that so. point, you just give them good field position. Yeah, out there. Like a really good field position too. Um, but I guess I guess even though this this game looks, it's very looks, it can go anyone's way. I'm so very excited for it, nonetheless. Super I know, excited. I know. Um, I'm gonna be broadcasting the game again with Ben Paul. I'll be there as a fan. There you go. Yeah, you guys are off. I'll <laughs> be excited to watch this game, game nonetheless. I'm There's excited. a lot I'm going to be looking for in this game, and hopefully we deliver. Something I'm looking for, I mean, it's definitely not certain, but I'm reading this stat right here. Oregon State is coming off its first bye week since October 26th, 2019. The Beavers had just beaten California 21-17, to 17, although our lost we had we lost before our bye week oh that's right after the bye week though they proceeded to be arizona 56 to 38 both wins were on the road we're in a different situation now that's we right. had the week off we're playing in front of our home fans yeah probably speaking, speaking of home uh i think this is the first time osu's not the first time osu's trying to go four and at home since 2012 2012 beers are looking to go four and at home yeah. for the first time since 2012 that's huge last time they did that uh oregon state defeated wisconsin washington state utah and arizona state oh wow that's whew. i mean no pressure there but no pressure but <laughs> no pressure there but uh that's kind of huge if yeah. you want to look into last year's matchup against utah for oregon state uh chance nolan was our starting quarterback for that game he passed for 202 yards, even though, I mean, uh, unfortunately, in a 30-24 to 24 loss, we sustained. But Avery Roberts, we saw on the defensive side of the ball, totaling 21 tackles, uh, tying him for the third most ever by an Oregon State player. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to look forward to for this upcoming game. Um, 
success in the past, even though we didn't get the win last time, there's parts of the offensive and defensive game to look for where we're able to show our strengths. And all you can hope for this this week when it comes around is just consistency. Yeah, which the Beavers have struggled with partially in the past two weeks, but but that's, I think that's besides the point. Yeah, but and then and then there's some positive. For example, I think just today was announced the OSU offensive line was recognized by the Joe Moore Award. The whole lineup, the, the whole line. line, the whole line. So according to this press release by Beer Athletics, Oregon State is one of 19 teams nationally that has been named to the Joe Moore Award midseason honor roll, which recognizes the sport's top offensive line, which announced on Tuesday. The selection committee judges each offensive line on six criteria. Toughness, effort, teamwork, consistency, technique, and finishing. Oregon State's offensive line has helped the Beavers to the Pats of Conference top rushing attack at 242.3 yards per game, which ranks ninth nationally. The line, coached by Jim... Michael Chizik, I'm not going to, sorry, coach, I mispronounced your name, <laughs> has given up just 18 tackles for loss, which is the third fewest in the nation, right? Six of those 18 tackles for loss have been sacks, the fewest allowed in the Pac-12, which is also tied for third fewest in the nation. And then it says, you know, semifinals will be named November 16th, finals on December 7th. But nonetheless, gentlemen, offensive line is looking really, really good. Especially it is looking really good. And if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but they returned a lot of their line from last they year, did. right? Uh, a good chunk of it. A good chunk of it. And that's got to be what's leading to the success. And the line's good. Like you said, our rushing is super good this year. Individually, BJ Baylor leads the Pac 12 and is tied uh, for ninth nationally with nine rushing touchdowns. He also has been a Pac 12 Offensive Player of the Week uh, award winner. Multiple rushing touchdowns in four of six games, and he has 400 rushing yard efforts this season. Mm-hmm. So having the line that you can trust, B.J. Baylor and Deshaun Fenwick have to be loving their lives right now. Oh, hands down. <laughs> I would. Hands down. And we didn't see that last season with Jamar Jefferson. Mm-hmm. We had a star running back, but our line was a little shaky at some points. It's great to see it finally coming to fruition. Fruition? Fruition, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the right word. Yes. Yeah, since, since we're talking about this this basketball and football kind of yeah. crossover today, I have a question for you, gentlemen. It's a hypothetical. Ask it. Would you rather have to complete, complete a reception to Tajon Lindsay, but Andre Hughes-Murray is running at you full speed with his hand tackling you? Oh, God. Or, exactly, or have to hit a full-court shot for the win? I can hit a full court shot. You can. I can. Liar. <laughs> There's no way. Um, for my bodily sake of not being crushed by Hughes Murray, um, I think I'm gonna take my chances shooting the half court. I mean, full court shot. Full court shot. I'm really good with half court shots. Actually, no, we're going so. on full court. Like I know. So I just gotta probably hit the gym a little bit more. <laughs> get on like a steroid cycle then i'll be able to throw it full court for sure <laughs> okay we'll change the simulation a little bit you can have at least one offensive lineman trying to protect you all right then i'll throw it to tyson <laughs> why not i need some protection we've got a great line we'll, we'll get news cabono up there <laughs> 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 all right what about you what do you, what do you uh, say i can't shoot to save my life i'm like ben simmons out there on the basketball court <laughs> Completely and totally honest with you on that. Give me, give me Hughes Murray. Give me Hughes give me, Murray. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna give Hughes Murray. I, it's funny because Hughes Murray is such a nice guy. Like I've talked to him off campus and like in press conferences. He's such a nice guy, but on the field is a monster. That being said, 
I'm gonna run out the pocket real quick and uh, I hope Tajamanzi's down there. But I'm just gonna take my shots trying to complete a reception. Hope and a prayer. Hope, I'm, I'm gonna send a Hail Mary like the 20 yard line. I'm gonna send a Hail, Hail Mary hoping Aja doesn't crush me. <laughs> we should we should make that like the beginning of this podcast. Episode, should, a little yeah, just like, a little, Hughes Murray's a monster. Hughes Murray's a monster. <laughs> Give me Hughes Murray. Give me Hughes Murray. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. The last thing I wanted to talk about for the football team is just a simple prediction of the score. Ooh. Last season, it was 30 to 24. Oregon State, how much did we score against Washington State last game? Uh, I believe it was something. It was so we lost, they lost 24 to 31. The 24 to 31. Okay. I'm going to say Oregon State will win against Utah with a score of 27 to 21. Okay. It's going to be a close game. It's okay. going to go into the fourth yeah, quarter. I'm not good at predicting exact scores, but I will say I'm going to go Beavers by six. Beavers by six. Yeah. What do you buy, you, Ryan? What do you think? Same with you. I'm not good at predicting scores. I think in the end, this is going to be a tight game. This isn't the Utah squads of 2020 and 2019. Nope. I think it's going to be 24-21 Beavs. Interesting. So another game-winning field goal. Yeah. Another chance for me and Ben Paul to lose our minds on the broadcast. <laughs> Another chance to show that Everett Hayes has ice in his veins. I think Everett Hayes will come up as a big part in this game. We need. Yeah, we're that, gonna that, we're gonna get stopped at some point, and that, that's why we I don't kick six. many field goals. That's why I said by six because it's two field goals. You know. Do we also not punt? I feel like we don't punt. No, no the Oregon State punts. Luke really? punts. All right. When you want, when like, well, then then we think about it. They're not that much punting because. Chances are BJ Baylor to Sean Fleming was like 50 yards down the field. So yeah. you can't punt at the 20 yard line. Man. So, <laughs> so the, the punter's there. It's just a matter of just this team's just so good in the run game. There's no need to punt. They're rarely ever like pinned like behind the 50. And then, but then we've seen like Luke Lotra can throw. Mm-hmm. So I, at least for me, I am not opposed to having Luke Lotra quarterback if Chancellor gets injured. <laughs> that's just me though. But um, that's kind of my personal thoughts on just. The whole punting situation because Ryan, you and I talked about this earlier. Punters are people too. Yes, that's right. Punters are people too. I can't emphasize that enough. For the brand. For the brand. (laughs) We love you, Pat McAfee. (laughs) How do you guys feel? Good. I just wanted, uh, you know, a lot of midterms coming up this year, school wise. I think it's very important. Uh, It's getting darker outside too. Yeah, it's Um, dark right now. Make sure. Make sure all you guys are taking care of yourselves um, mentally, physically. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Take and breaks. Take breaks when you need them. Reach out when you can. Um, check in on others, too. Check in on others. Yeah. Tell someone you love yeah. them today. Yeah. It's important. Call yeah. your mom. Call your dad. Thank you. you love. Thank you for tuning in and catch us next week. That's right, y'all. Take care of your mentals. Take care. See you guys.